Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So I grew up in a church uh, where education or gaining knowledge, knowing more and more and more, was kind of the whole point, right? It's why we had Sunday school, right? Church was school. It was education. It was about gaining knowledge. And there was a minister of education at all my churches growing up, and we memorized scripture, and we were prepared to make a defense of the faith at any moment. Have you heard that phrase? And the goal was to be totally certain. Maybe you grew up in a church culture like this. And this is what kind of dominated the church world for a long time. And I think that what happened was the, the church raised and formed a generation or two or three that were taught all the right answers, but none of the right questions. The church taught, we formed a generation or one or two or three how to defend, how to debate, how to litigate, but not how to listen. And this Lenten season, we're having a conversation about moving from fear to love. And we need this transformation, this movement from fear to love, because to know love is to be fully human. And so today we're going to have a conversation about moving from fear because fear knows what it knows, but love knows to listen. Fear knows what it knows. Fear is stubborn. Fear has no flexibility. Fear is certain. Fear is rigid. Don't you think you could probably uh, uh, put religious people in almost all those categories? That's what people think about us, that we are stubborn, that we have no flexibility, that we are rigid. Yeah. Fear has a take on everything. Fear says exactly um, fear says exactly what it thinks. Fear has an opinion and goes ahead and says it. Fear says, I'm definitely right and you are definitely wrong. But love knows to listen. Wouldn't that be nice if that's how people thought of our Christian community? Not for how much we know, but for how much we listen. Love knows that listening should outweigh speaking. Love knows that I was wrong and I'm still learning and I'll keep thinking about that should be the bullseye of our religious vocabulary. Love knows to listen. So today we're going to camp out in this one passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and there are all these kind of interconnected themes about knowing and listening and ultimately about the unfolding and expanding mystery of God. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2. Just stay with me. We're going to walk through it. He says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. Verse 7, no, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. So let me just point out a few key words here. Paul says, you've heard this phrase, I resolve to know nothing. I resolve to know nothing. And he says, God's wisdom is a mystery that has to be revealed. I resolve to know nothing. 
God's wisdom is a mystery and it has to be revealed. Let's go through each of these. I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. I resolve to know nothing. That's not on most churches' uh, websites. I resolve to know nothing. That's good theological minimalism, what we say every week. Hold tight to the first things of faith. Just hear from Paul. Uh, You don't have to know everything. This is the apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. You definitely don't have to know everything. It might be okay if you know nothing at all. You don't have to know everything. And all of it is a mystery. Paul calls God's wisdom a mystery. A mystery. You don't have to know it. It's a mystery anyways. Which means you you probably can't know all of it anyway. And if you know it, you definitely don't know all of it. You know what I mean here? Am I sounding mysterious? This is what Henry Nouwen says about this. He says, uh, we might be competent in many subjects, but we cannot become an expert in the things of God. God is greater than our minds and cannot be caught within the boundaries of our finite concepts. Thus, spiritual formation leads not to a proud understanding of divinity, but to an articulate not knowing. Spiritual formation ends with not knowing. I resolve to know nothing. This is a mystery. This is a mystery. And Paul says this mystery is hidden and has to be revealed. I know this is just getting more mysterious. The mystery is hidden and it has to be revealed. It's a hidden mystery. How are we supposed to know any of it anyway? This is why uh, we say we want an expansive faith. It's growing wider and including more because we believe this mystery of God is still being revealed. The way we like to say it, the way I like to say it is that it is unfolding. That the revelation of God that Paul talks about here, the mystery of God is unfolding in front of us. But that means this mystery that has to be revealed, that's currently hidden. It it, it means that endless study won't get us there. Thinking about it all the time won't get us there. Good exegesis isn't good enough. Guilt won't help us figure it out. Patting ourselves on the back for being right doesn't mean we're right. This mystery has to be revealed. We have to see it unfold. And by the way, Paul reiterates the same idea over and over again. I know this feels, and I know it even feels fringe to me. I know this idea that there's a mystery of God uh, that has to be revealed, that's currently hidden. All those feel like fringe, difficult ideas, especially for our Western minds that want to categorize and know everything. But Paul says it over and over again in his writings. In Ephesians 3, verse 3, he says, The mystery was made known to me by revelation. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. You hear this? The mystery was made known to me by revelation. There's a hidden mystery that has to be revealed. Then in Romans 16, Paul says, Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel in the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Do you hear this? There is a mystery 
that has to be revealed. And this whole thing, okay, just stay with me here. This whole thing, everything, our universe, thisness, and our understanding of God, our religious expression and experiences, all of it is a mystery that is unfolding in front of us. And what that means is that it's okay not to know. It's okay to have a minimalistic faith, just holding tight to the first things. It's okay to embrace the mystery because only fear knows what it knows, right? Fear requires certainty. It's okay not to know. So we embrace the mystery of our faith and at the same time, that we embrace that mystery, we listen for the unfolding revelation of God. We listen for the expansion of our understanding of who God is. At the same time that we say, I don't have to know everything, we say, I am listening for more. Because fear knows what it knows, but love knows to listen. So I think you can probably hear it from me today. I love this idea. I love this idea that this whole thing is a mystery. And as it unfolds before us, we catch these tiny glimpses of God's goodness and God's wisdom and God's grace and God's beauty. I love this idea because I think it gives us so much freedom. Listen, I love this idea for you. <laughs> I don't love it for me as much. I struggle with this. I love it for you. As your pastor, I love it because I see people. I see people find so much joy in not knowing. Oh, I love it. But I struggle with it. Let me just tell you why. I have a lot of imposter syndrome about my beliefs, about my belief system, my set of beliefs. Here's what I mean. I, I feel like I should believe more strongly and more deeply and more specifically. I feel like I should believe with more certainty. And I do believe, I do believe. But as a religious leader who teaches on a religious text, I just, I have this imposter syndrome about not believing enough. About not believing enough. And the, the truth is, um, that I used to be really certain. I used to be really certain about all of it. And a lot of times I miss that certainty. Now listen, I was afraid. I was afraid to be wrong. I was afraid of God. I was afraid of hell. The certainty almost always comes with some fear, but there was some comfort in the certainty. And sometimes I miss that. I struggle with the idea that all of this is a mystery that I can't actually know it all. And I struggle with the idea that it's unfolding in front of me and I need to listen for an expansion. What I mean by that is I struggle to change my mind. That's what I'm really trying to say. I struggle to change my mind about these things because when I finally plant my feet somewhere and say, no, I know this, I believe this, I hear something a little bit different and I might have to expand because fundamentalism gave me a box for my beliefs. And that box, it was cramped, but I knew the rules. And sometimes this unfolding mystery that I'm listening for, sometimes it feels like I'm swimming and there's nothing underneath me. And sometimes I just get tired of coloring outside the lines. 
I don't want to change my mind anymore. No matter how compelling and necessary that unfolding, that expansion, that change may be. And so I, str- I struggle with this. I love this idea for you, but I struggle with this. I struggle with the mystery. I struggle with the unfolding nature of this mystery. But in my moments of insecurity, I like to take account of all the ways I have changed my mind. I take account of all of the unfolding that has happened in my life. All the ways I have listened for revelation and expanded. I just take account. So let me list some of these things that I've changed my mind on. Just don't freak out, okay? Don't freak out. But here's some of the things I've changed my mind on. Biblical inerrancy, the creation narrative, the nature of sin, hell, full inclusion for everyone, salvation, and atonement theories. Is that a scary list for you? I'm going to read it again just to freak you out a little bit more. These are the things I've changed my mind on. Biblical inerrancy, the creation narrative, the nature of sin, hell, full inclusion for everyone, the meaning of salvation, and atonement theories. And when I look at this list, this is not my full list, by the way, but these are just the big, these are the big ones. But when I look at this list, when I take account of my expansion, here's what I like to ask myself. Do these expanded beliefs get me closer or further from loving my neighbor as myself? And yeah, I miss the certainty and I miss the box But every time I listen for the unfolding revelation of God, listen, every time I change my mind about a belief because I believe I've seen the revelation unfold before me, every time I expand, those beliefs get more just, more kind, more gentle, more loving. There is more tension. It's not simple. It's definitely a mystery, but it always ends with more love because fear knows what it knows, but love knows to listen. And so for you, these ideas, certainty, mystery, and unfolding revelation, how does that all hit you? Do you feel uncomfortable? It's okay if you do. Does it immediately sound like heresy to you? That's okay too. I know these are hard ideas that we don't know everything and that maybe we can't know everything. That's, a, that's That may be bad news for you today. I wonder how it's hitting you. And just for you, how often do you change your mind? How often do you expand? Do you listen to the unfolding revelation? And maybe not just on these big cosmic things about God and religion, but just in your day-to-day, hour-to-hour life, how often do you change your mind? Do you know what you know, or do you know to listen? And do you feel safe enough to live with uncertainty? So for me, and I'm guessing for some of you, my religious indoctrination told me that doubt and uncertainty and mystery, that those things were not allowed. There's no room for any of that. And so I didn't feel safe enough for uncertainty for a long time. I avoided those feelings because I didn't feel safe. And I just want you to hear from me today 
that you are safe enough to not be certain, that no one is requiring certainty from you, that God isn't asking it, that your church doesn't need it. You are safe enough to not be certain. Listen, all of this is a mystery unfolding. So we embrace the mystery and we listen for the revelation because fear knows what it knows, but love knows to listen. So a a couple of years ago, there was a story on This American Life about a dad with a nine-year-old daughter who couldn't stop asking questions. Maybe that sounds familiar to you. And she was asking questions about everything. And so this dad said, why don't you write down all of your questions, give them to me, and I'll try to answer them. And she did. And the first question was this, what is life and why? So big questions. She asked, time, why, explain, period. She asked, why is there heaven and hell? She asked, who do you miss and why? Do you miss anyone more than them? And does that change? And how? And if that changes, was it worth missing them in the first place? Pretty big questions for a nine-year-old. There were 50 questions in total that she wrote down. And so this dad, he spent three years answering these questions one by one, like really writing serious answers, doing tons of research and giving these responses to his daughter. And three years into this process of asking these really intense questions and and this dad answering them, three years into this process, an NPR reporter from This American Life came and asked this now 12-year-old girl, Rosie, about this whole process. And this is what Rosie said, right? Her dad had spent three years researching and writing. This is what Rosie said about it. She said, the answers weren't really what I wanted. I was lonely and I felt a little sad that nobody at school had really stepped out to say, I'll be your friend. So I asked questions that I thought would take him a long time to answer because at the time I just really wanted to talk to him. And listen, you can spend all your time and your energy researching and thinking and working to answer all of life's most mysterious questions. But maybe having the right answer has never been the point of the mystery. Maybe, just maybe, the point all along has been connection, has been to listen. Maybe the point all along has been union, has been love. Maybe having the right answer has never been the point. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Embrace the mystery of life. You won't find the comfort of certainty, but trust that in the mystery, you'll find beauty, freedom, and love. And isn't that the point anyway? May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.